This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. This is the end. And I hope that you have found the material that we've covered uh, along the way to be helpful. But I want to leave you tonight with one last piece, a very important piece of this storytelling discipline. Uh, Now that we've considered something about what makes a good story and how and when to tell it, I want to give you some tips on actually getting out there and doing it. So tonight, uh, how to tell stories. Let's pray. Our Father, we are helpless to accomplish anything that's really going to last for eternity um, in our own power. We certainly understand that. We're totally dependent on you uh, to use storytelling or any other means to really make a difference. But Lord, I pray that you would help us as we consider the practical side of this tonight to grow in our knowledge and our understanding. And uh, I pray that you'd help this to be something to um, give us that, that push to engage in this way Um, in trying to point others to you. Help the things we consider tonight to be helpful, um, to be uh, submitted to you and your word. And uh, we ask for your guidance, we ask for your help, and uh, help us continue to just depend on you fully for all of this. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll never believe how I used to live. Uh, The man addressing the gathered crowd looked sane enough, but he tells a wild story. He was once the terror of the town, completely uncontrollable. He wandered among the tombs and up in the mountains of the region of Gadara. Anyone who approached the place could hear him crying out in an unearthly wail. And those who were brave enough to approach the area found blood on the ground from where he had deliberately cut open his own skin with rocks. People tried to chain him up. They tried some way to tame this beast of a man. But no attempt to control him had met with any success. The man, or more accurately, whatever it was that was inside the man, was too powerful for them to fight. And so they'd been forced to give up, just giving him a wide berth. One day, the man tells his hearers, everything changed. A man came to Gadara, and he was different. You need to understand that during this time, I didn't have control of my own body. But as soon as that man stepped on shore, the beings inside me went crazy. They knew something was different about him. Almost immediately, I found myself on my knees before him, begging him to leave me alone. The man goes on to tell how Jesus spoke to the demons that were tormenting him. He tells how Jesus told them to leave him and, at their request, enter a herd of pigs instead. The pigs, of course, ran headlong into the sea, and the pig herders ran off to tell the folks in the nearby town about what they just witnessed. When they returned, they found the once uncontrollable madman sitting and conversing calmly with Jesus and his followers. After he had set me free, all I wanted, the man tells the crowd, was to go with Jesus 
wherever he went. I owed him everything. I knew he was more than just a man. The power he displayed that day was the power of God. I wanted to be one of his followers and, and go with him wherever he went, hear his teaching. But when I asked him for that privilege, he answered me, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. That's what he told me to do, and that's what I've been doing ever since. I want people to understand how powerful he truly is and how much he truly cares. I don't know any better way to do that than to tell my story. I have a story to tell, and as long as I have breath, I plan to keep telling it. You know, that demon-possessed man received a God-given task. He was to go and share a story. The story of what the Lord had done for him and the compassion that he had received from God. And he obeyed. Mark 5, I'm sorry, Mark 5 verse 20 tells us, And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. The madman of Gadara's story was used by God as a powerful tool in causing people to marvel at the power and compassion of Jesus. And, you know, no doubt it made many of those people consider, probably for the first time, the truth about Jesus' identity as both God and man. So who knows how many hearts were prepared for the gospel through the testimony of that one man. But imagine with me if that man had failed to tell that story. How much work of preparing hearts would have been lost. And we know God is able to overcome the failure of an individual to do what they ought to do. That doesn't limit God. But it would have been sad, wouldn't it, if this man had not told his story? Uh, wouldn't that have been such a missed opportunity? An untold story can be just that, a missed opportunity. And each of us has powerful stories that we are uniquely positioned to share. I want to challenge you tonight not to miss that opportunity, not to leave those stories untold. I'm going to share with you a really powerful insight tonight. Okay, Are you ready for this? One of the best ways to start doing something is to start doing it. It's as simple as that much of the time. We know what we ought to do. It's just starting in and doing it. We can have lots of reasons that, that we're held back. Um, lots of reasons that we can think we're not completely prepared. But a lot of the times we just need to jump in there and start doing it. So that's what I want to encourage you to do in this matter of telling stories. Just, just start. Um, do it. Let the successes and the failures help you to grow and develop and learn. But maybe a few tips that I'll share with you tonight can help to push you over that edge and uh, help you feel better prepared to take that step and, and start. Um, so first, let's talk about gathering stories. You might say, I'd be happy to tell stories, but I don't have any stories to tell. What we have to realize is that's not true of any of us. We are all surrounded by stories and all of us have lives that are full of stories. You know, 
I mentioned this early on in the class, but there are these people who always have a story to tell. I'm sure you know some people like that. Some individuals probably come to mind. And it seems like every time you talk to them, they've got another story that just blows your mind. You say, how in the world has this person experienced all of these crazy things? And they've got all of these, um, all of these experiences they've had, all these things that have happened to them. And you think, that's what makes a storyteller. It's the people that have crazy lives. Those are the people who can tell stories because they have stuff to tell about. That, that's what makes you a storyteller. I'm a boring person. I haven't had those crazy things happen to me. I haven't had a bunch of near-death experiences or, or done all of these totally crazy off-the-wall things when I was a kid or whatever. Um, but just because the crazy stuff doesn't happen to you doesn't mean you don't have stories to tell. As I started to look for stories and learned how to look for stories, I began to realize that, though I always kind of considered myself one of those boring people, um, my life, too, is full of stories. So how do you find those stories? Um, they're there for all of us, but how do you unearth what's already there? How do you start to see it? Well, I want to introduce you to a thing called Homework for Life. Now, this is an idea that comes from a book that I read called Storyworthy. Um, and so I'm using the term that he uses because I'm taking this idea, idea straight from this author. And um, I, I gave you a resource list tonight. Um, and uh, this is one of the books on the resource list. And I need to warn you um, about what I warn you about on the resource list. Uh, this book has some really great insights and some really practical advice. And there are several things practically that I have, I have taken from this book that have been a help to me, including this concept I'm about to talk about. But this book also contains gratuitous foul language and some other inappropriate references, which is really disappointing to me because um, it's totally unnecessary. And this guy throws it in the book, and I'm like, why do you have to ruin the book that way? Um, so I cannot recommend the book for that reason. Um, but... Uh, I was helped by some of the things that he shared in there, um, including this concept, homework for life. So what is homework for life? Well, there are multiple ways to do this. Um, he talks about in the book that he has a spreadsheet set up on his computer, and that's how he does it. Um, I set up a spreadsheet on my phone. Um, you can use a, a number of different, you can do this a number of different ways. You could use a physical journal set up a Word document, whatever. But the idea is this. At the end of each day, you take three to five minutes to think about the day and to write a super brief description of the most story-worthy moment in your day. So what happened to you that, that would make a good story? What happened to you that day? If, if you could tell one story from your day, you'd say, this is the best story from my day, what would it be? And you just write that down. Now, you're not writing the whole story out. Um, you're just writing enough to jog your memory so that if you were looking back over that list, it might be where somebody else would say, what is this? But it would be enough for you where you'd say, oh, yeah, I remember that. And it'd be enough for you to be able to tell the story from that. So um, this is a very 
a very simple um, very simple exercise. You're really going for just a one or two sentence entry every day. Um, but you might say that's a little dumb. It's a little simple. It doesn't seem like it would really accomplish much. But it's pretty amazing um, how powerful it can be. So if you start doing something like this first, as time goes on, it helps you to develop an eye or a mind for what actually makes a good story. Um, if you're thinking about this every day, it helps you to begin to realize those moments that really could turn into a powerful story and the ones that are just an interesting little anecdote. Um, also, this does help you actively gather a list of possible stories to use. Now, I'll be honest with you, not every day is going to have something in it where you're like, man, that's just a, that's an awesome story. I totally want to use that sometime. But if you do it for a month, then you're going to have potentially um, 10 to 15, if not more, story ideas from that that could be something that you could use at some point. So it helps you to, to begin to build that, that list of stories you can draw from. But one thing that's kind of amazing to me with this technique is it also helps you to experience those moments more deeply when they're happening. Because when you see the story happening in your own experience, something's going on and you realize that this could be a story, it helps you to realize the, the meaning to it. Because a lot of times we, we don't actively live our lives. We kind of just let our lives happen, if you know what I mean. And we don't really think about the significance of what's happening to us. And, and the meaning there is behind some of the things happening to us. But if you're thinking in story terms, it can help you to actually get more out of life. That sounds silly, but I've found it to be true as I've, as I've um, uh, done this homework for life thing. Now, I haven't been doing this religiously, but I have tried to make a habit of it, and I've really enjoyed what it's brought out and some of the stories that it's reminded me also um, from the past. Um, so actually this is something I shared a couple of weeks ago, a story about from when my grandpa died. The reason that was on my mind was because I'd been doing this and something had happened that jogged my memory and made me think of that story. Um, but I'm just going to give you a little sample, a couple of days from earlier this month and, and how I did this. All right. Um, I'm just going to read my entries for those days. So, both of these days I've got multiple entries. That's not my norm, but I've decided that it's allowed. So, here's, here's March 20th. Entry 1. Our road became the Hodges Ferry detour for some paving work they're doing. How obnoxious. How much we can be affected by such insignificant inconveniences. Entry 2. Had corned beef, veggies, and cabbage at my parents tonight brought back serious memories of how much I loved corned beef when I was a kid. I remember picking each strand of meat out of the fat. Entry three, questions. How do fire trucks change traffic lights? Where did the term slapstick come from? Here is March 21st, entry one. Walking tonight, Ezra was freaking out. I don't want the bees to get me. He got off his scooter and held my hand as he walked. Despite my assurances that they wouldn't get him, he stayed worried until we got home. The bees didn't get me. His surprise was real. Entry two. 
reminded me of the time when I was a kid when a bee stung my thumb, but I continued to suck it even with a Band-Aid. Now those might strike you as some weird entries, and you might find it frightening to get that, that window into my brain and how it works. <laughs> but it gives you an idea of what this might look like and how it can help us to appreciate the little things that happens, happen and also how it can remind us of that stuff from the past. So um, remember, it's the small everyday things that often make the best stories because they're, those are the things that other people can most readily connect with. And um, in just those two days, I see at least two, if not three, um, story seeds that could become full-blown stories. So open your eyes to see the stories in your own life. You might choose to use this technique. You might do something else, something similar. Um, but I encourage you to develop some sort of a habit like this. If you say, I'm, I have trouble finding stories, this is a great way to start finding stories and to see the stories that fill your own life. All right, so that's, that's homework for life. Uh, my next piece of advice is more general, and that is keep learning. If you want to find good stories, then educate yourself. There is no easier way to become a boring person than to stop learning. Uh, if you want to be a good storyteller, then you're going to need to keep learning. Um, that will look different for different people. You might be an avid reader, and you're just always reading books. And that's great. That's a great way to learn. Um, you might, like me, really enjoy podcasts. And uh, you might learn a lot through, through something like that. Um, you might watch documentaries. You might read um, ed educational, instructive magazines. I want to be clear that not all magazines are going to be educational. <laughs> um, but I don't know. There are lots of different things that can help you to keep learning. And um, some people might say, ah, I'm not a book person. Well, find something else. But keep learning. Keep educating yourself about things. Um, history, as I've mentioned, especially is full of fascinating people and interesting stories. And you might not like history. Um, but often, things that you are interested in can kind of connect with history and stories that are in history. So you might like cooking, and you could read about the life of a famous chef or the history of, of culinary history. Um, and there's lots of stories to find in there. Um, maybe you like science, science, and you could read the biography of a scientist or how certain things over time, uh, scientific discoveries and how things were developed. Um, this can, um, across, across interests, I could give lots of examples here. Um, you might have a hobby, and you can learn things about that hobby. So if you enjoy gardening, um, learning about plants and gardening techniques that are used around the world can be a great way to educate yourself. And you might be surprised how that would connect you with stories, um, both from history and things going on now in the world. Um, so. You don't have to necessarily focus on learning particular things. I'm not saying that you have to just turn yourself into a history buff. If you want to be a good storyteller, you've got to love history. No, just make sure you're continuing to learn. 
that you're stretching your mind in that way, that you're continuing to gain new information. And you'll be surprised how, if you're actively learning, how, especially if you're looking for stories, you're going to start to stumble upon stories um, and, and threads that you can pull on, and there will be information there. So, so keep learning. On my phone, I have a, a list of tidbits I've learned um, from podcast episodes, books I've read, conversations I've had, news articles I've read, where there are these interesting ideas that I might someday turn into stories. And right now I've got over 40 ideas on that note on my phone. And they range from court hearings about peanut butter to a story about uh, placebo effect knee replacement surgeries to the origin of the term Murphy's Law. Um, these are all things that I've learned a little bit about and I want to dig in more and I'd like to learn more about and I think there's a story there. So those are all tidbits though that I picked up and have, have hung, hung on to because I'm constantly trying to keep learning. And so um, keep discipline yourself that way. But along those same lines, if you want to grow your collection of stories, you need to stoke your curiosity. Um, from time to time, I'll have people comment on how creative they think I am. And creativity might come more easily to some people than others, but all of us are creative. Some people can think, ah, I'm just, that's just not me, you know, I'm, I'm not good at coming up with ideas, I'm not imaginative, I'm not creative. There are creative people and I'm not one of them. But you know, one of the ways that we're set apart from animals is our God-given ability not just to think, but to imagine. Not just to make, but to create. So God made us as humans to be creative beings, to have ideas, and to put them together, and to come up with stuff. But if you want to be creative, you have to be curious. Um, we're all born curious. Kids like to explore. Uh, they want to try to figure things out. They want to know how things work, they, uh, why things act the way they do. And then we grow up. And most of us, as we learn enough about the world to get by, we give up our curiosity. And that's really sad. And so I'm telling you, don't give it. Don't give up your curiosity. Stay curious. Ask questions about the world, even if they're silly questions like, how did the, the fire truck change the, the traffic light? Um, and what's the origin of the word slapstick? Ask those questions um, and, and look for answers. Be curious about the world, all right? Um, and I think that's a thing that pleases God, honestly. I think that God made us that way, and um, he, he wants us to explore the world that he's created, and um, so stay curious, and that's going to lead you to being more creative, and it's also going to lead you to stories. So one example for me, I was listening to a history podcast, and in passing, it made mention of the scheme, um, this was before the digging of the Panama Canal, there was a plan to make a Nicaragua Canal, and that sparked my curiosity. Um, they just mentioned it in passing in this podcast, and so I, I thought, that's interesting. I want to dig into that some more. So I did some research, and in doing that research, I stumbled upon a story about a, uh, how a French engineer named Philippe Bunovaria used a postage stamp 
to help convince the U.S. Senate to vote in favor of a Panama Canal instead of a Nicaragua Canal. It, it, there's a lot of detail to the story. I'm not going to get into it and share the whole story with you tonight. Um, but it's really interesting. It's a crazy reminder of the strange and seemingly random influences that shape history. But it also reminded me of the fact that God has all of those influences in hand. And at the end of the day, history takes the path that he intends for it. But it was curiosity about the Nicaragua Canal that led me to another level of this story that I didn't know anything about uh, that was fascinating to me. So stoke your curiosity, ask questions, and look for answers. And um, that's going to lead you to, to some good stories. You know, it's interesting to me how often Jesus used objects that were at hand or concepts that were very down-to-earth and familiar to share the truth. His eyes were open to the world around him. And he drew others' attention to the everyday things like plants and animals that they all knew but might not have stopped to really think about. He used those things, drew their attention to them in order to illustrate uh, the truth. And we can do the same thing. So open your eyes. You might be amazed what you begin to see. So those are a few tips for gathering stories. Now, how do we actually start telling them? Well, remember, storytelling is a skill. It's like riding a bike, or eating with a fork, or flying a plane, or walking a tightrope. Like any other skill, some people are going to take to it more naturally than others. But also like any other skill, it takes practice to improve. Um, none of my kids were born proficient at eating with a fork. But none of them have let that stop them from learning how to do it. Uh, I dare say if I decided to become a tightrope walker, I would fall a lot of times. But that wouldn't mean that I couldn't or shouldn't keep trying. The biggest step in learning a new skill is taking that first step, picking up the fork, getting on the bike, stepping out on the tightrope. Um, and so take that first step, and you'll probably find it easiest to begin um, with a more formal setting. Now, I don't mean by that fancy, um, like a, you know, a formal event, that sort of formal. What I mean by that is settings where you're being called on to speak in some capacity. So not just casual um, conversation, but some, some place, some setting where you've been asked to say something. So that could be teaching. Um, it could be making some sort of a presentation for work or school. Uh, it could be sharing a challenge of some kind at a meeting or an activity. But when you're being called on to give prepared remarks of some kind, that's a great time to plan and incorporate a story. Um, you've got a chance to prepare. You've got a chance to really think through what you're going to say. And um, people are expecting something from you that can really help to, to set the stage for you to, to um, step into this storytelling thing for the first time. If you teach a lot, then you've got lots of chances to practice this way. For some of you, you those formal opportunities might be less frequent, but take advantage of them when they come. Um, 
having a captive audience that is expecting you to speak takes some of the pressure off. And it helps you to focus on your technique of storytelling rather than trying to get up the, the courage to start your story um, right in the middle of a conversation or whatever. So this can be the easiest place to start and you're always going to have time to prepare and think about what you're going to share ahead of time. So if you can, start formal. Also, share stories with family and friends. Um, your family and friends can be a valuable resource in your quest to be a better storyteller. Um, you probably all have someone in your life who you could tell, I'm trying to become a better storyteller, can you be my guinea pig? If you've got someone like that, that's great. Uh, because someone close to you um, is probably going to be willing to tell you when you bomb as well as when you do well. Um, they're going to be prepared to give you honest feedback. Um, and I found this true as I've worked on storytelling through my podcast. So I've got a couple of people um, who are encouraging critics. Um, I always ask my wife to listen to each episode before I release it. And she is always very kind. And I usually have to try to pull critiques out of her. But she usually has one or two tweaks that she'll recommend. And those things always improve the story. Um, I also have a friend who lives out of state. And he listens to most of my podcast episodes. And often he'll call me and he'll tell me what he appreciated and areas where he thinks it could use some work. And his input is also... Uh, always really helpful. Um, if you've got people like that, that's going to really help you to grow. People who are going to tell you what's working and what's not working. People are going to tell you what's good and what's not good. And so um, family and friends are a great um, resource as you're trying to grow in this. Now I'm still working on this, but growing in a skill like this requires being able to receive and benefit from both positive and negative feedback. People like family and friends who know, love, and support you can be a great source of that sort of feedback. But you have to be ready to receive it. Um, you have to be able to take the, 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 the positive feedback and take what you can learn from it without letting it go to your head. And you've got to be able to take the negative feedback and not just make excuses for everything, but actually take that to heart as well. I'm still working on both of those. But um, prepare yourself for that. Take it to heart and be grateful for it. Um, you know, kids can also be good critics because usually they're going to be super honest with you and they're not going to work as hard to pay attention if they don't feel like it. So if you're telling a story to kids, um, then if you start getting boring, they're just going to stop listening to you. And so that's, that can really help you, too, in figuring out, okay, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm missing something here. I'm not doing this right. Now, you might have imagined that by the end of this course, you would, you would have magically become one of those people who just spouts fascinating stories every time they're engaged in conversation. If that has happened to you since the beginning of this course, then I am elated. But chances are... Uh, that hasn't happened. But be patient because the conversational story, storytelling, comes last. Telling stories 
just in daily life as you're engaged in unplanned conversation with people, um, that's going to be the last step. That's going to be what comes least naturally, and you're really going to have to work at that, to work at planned storytelling to get there. Um, you know, musicians who can do any kind of improv blow me away. Um, I can't imagine just sitting down at a piano and just playing something completely out of my head without any practice, without any music, just coming up with it and, and playing it. I, I cannot imagine that. Um, but someone who can play like that is not someone who's... This sentence makes no sense. <laughs> Sorry. My, I'm having trouble with my own notes here. Um, someone who can play like that is someone who has done a lot of playing. Somebody can't just sit down at a piano as a be beginner student and start doing improv, at least not well. And that's what it's like with storytelling. So conversational storytelling is like playing improv. Um, it's, it's going to take a lot of practice. It's going to take a lot of experience to get you to the point where you can do that well and effectively. So in order to turn into a good spontaneous storyteller, you have to work at it as a rehearsed storyteller. So be patient. Um, work at it. Practice. Build that skill. And the day may not be far off where you find yourself being up, beginning to be able to work well-told stories into unplanned conversation in a way that engages others and points them to the truth of God's word. That's the goal. Is that in our lives, in all the different settings God puts us in, that we'd be able to make use of stories to be a powerful tool to point others to Christ. But that's going to take uh, work, and it's going to take planning, and it's going to take practice, especially to get to the point where it can just be a part of everyday life like that. For now, let's take a look at how you can plan those rehearsed stories. Um, I... I preach and teach from a manuscript, and I've been doing that for a while. Um, it works for me. It keeps me on track. It helps me to use well-thought-out words and phrases. But one area that I'm trying to get more and more away from just using a manuscript is storytelling. Um, you've perhaps noticed during this class how I've been telling these stories from a manuscript and how that can sometimes come off come across as stiff and unnatural. But at the same time, um, we don't want to just ramble. And all of us, as human beings, struggle with that tendency to ramble. And so, how do we rein ourselves in, but not sound like a robot? Well, if you've looked at the final homework assignment, then you've seen my suggested storytelling structure technique. Um, and that's, that technique is simple. Um, it's based off of another one of the resources in the resource list I gave you tonight. Um, much of what I'm going to talk about in this section of the lesson tonight, these ideas come from this book, The Art of Storytelling, which um, this was actually taught as a The Great Courses course, and I read the transcript of the course. Um, but I gleaned a lot from it, and um, we're going to consider three elements when it comes to how we structure and plan a story. So first of all, 
um, let's, let's talk about the introduction. Um, think back to what I said in the early weeks of this class. You need to begin with something that hooks your hearers and makes them start asking questions, wondering what's going to happen. So think about the timeline of your story. Think about what's, what's going on in the action and think carefully about where on that timeline you want to begin telling the story. All right, it's probably not going to be all the way at the beginning. It's probably going to be closer to the, the, the climax of the action. But think about where you're going to begin. Figure out how, in those first two to three sentences, you're going to put your hearers on the edge of that cliff and also begin to introduce them to the characters that are at the center of your story. That introduction is going to be vital because those first few sentences are probably going to decide whether or not the people listening to you are actually going to be actively listening to the rest of your story. Whether they're going to continue to pay attention and want to know what's going to happen or whether they're just going to tune you out. So I want to encourage you to give thought to how am I going to begin this? Where am I going to start? How am I going to get right into the action, right into the tension from the beginning? Uh, many of you probably are probably familiar with The Gift of the Magi. It's a short story by O. Henry about an impoverished husband and wife and the gifts that they buy each other for Christmas one year. Um, but the way O. Henry begins the story is a great example of a story making you want to know more from the very beginning. So here's the first three sentences of this short story. $1.87. That was all. And 60 cents of it was in pennies. That's the beginning of the story. And right away, you see the money in your mind. You want to know who is counting the money, why they're so poor, and why they care so much about this $1.87 right now. And you're going to read those sentences, and you're going to say, okay, I've got to keep reading. I've got to know what this is about. Oh, Henry has got you. You need to know. And he's got you into his story. So give attention to your introduction, how you're going to begin. Um, think also about how you're going to end. Your ending needs to bring resolution to the tension of the story. It also needs to bring to light the lesson that we can learn from the story. Um, this is also a key place to give attention to because you don't want to drag out your ending or be unclear with your ending. Otherwise, the story is going to lose much of its forcefulness. Uh, also, you want to think about how the beginning and the end are going to tie together so that you can see the thread that carries through the whole story. It helps to, to tie it all up with a nice bow and help the those listening feel like you've given them something. And then you're going to want to think about a punchy sentence or two to leave with them with at the end that helps keep the truth that you're trying to express rattling around in their heads. So um, think, think carefully about how you're going to end. Just like how you start, those two parts of the story are really the most essential. Um, beginning well and ending well. For the rest of the story, you don't need to try to write it all out. Instead, you might help find it helpful to create a storyboard. Um, now, a storyboard is a tool that's used by people who produce movies and TV shows, and it's also used by people who create some types of books. Um, it's a visual diagram of sorts. So it's an organization 
of the movement of a specific show or scene. Um, so think in terms of a comic strip, all right? This is a, a simplification uh, of the idea. But you've got each block has a setting, it has characters, and it has action, either movement or dialogue or both. So you've got those three things, but it's kind of compartmentalized into what you could consider scenes or, or steps in the action of the story. So think like that about your story. Now, I don't mean that you should create a physical storyboard, but, but think in terms of scenes, in that progression of action. Uh, picture it in your mind. Figure out the blocks that make up your story. What is the setting in each one of those blocks? Who are the characters in that block? What is the action that's going on in that block? Um, think those things through, and then form a picture of each of those blocks in your mind where you know, here's how the story progresses. Here are the things that are happening. Here's scene one, scene two, scene three, scene four, whatever. Get an idea of what those scenes are or those, those blocks in your mind. And then as you tell the story, see those blocks in your mind, see what's going on, and describe to those who are listening what you're seeing. Um, that's going to help to keep your story on track where you're going to know, here's where I'm headed, but you're not tied to a script. You're not tied to a, a, just an exact way of saying things. And so it can be structured and it can have movement without sounding scripted, sounding stiff. Um, so that may be a helpful tool to you as you think about how, how to structure the story and how to, how to have it in your mind as you're sharing it with other people. Um, that's also going to be helpful because most of the time, um, especially as you're moving towards more casual storytelling, you're probably not going to have a script with you. You're not going to be like, oh, let me tell you this story. Here's the 3 by 5 card. Let me read it off the 3 by 5 card to you. All right. So the more that we can push ourselves this way, and this is I'm trying to work on myself this way right now, push ourselves this way, it's going to help us uh, with more natural storytelling. It also helps you fit it to the scenario where you are. Sometimes you need to shorten the story. Sometimes you might have a reason to, to make it longer. Most of the time not. Um, sometimes you, you'll want to lean into certain details. Other times you'll want to focus on other details. Depending on who's listening, depending on um, who your audience is, the setting that you're in, all those things are going to play into this. So the more that you can Instead of tying yourself to words, tie yourself to pictures, um, that's going to help you. So give attention to specifically how you want to express the beginning and the ending of your story, and then let the rest of it play as scenes in your head. Now, I hope those are helpful tips, but like I said, the real key to becoming a good, good storyteller is telling stories. Nothing beats doing it. Uh, when I was a kid, I experimented with the right way to get in the pool when the water was cold. Now, I mentioned that we would visit my grandparents in Massachusetts in the summer. And often the water would be 70 degrees or colder, which is cold for a pool. Um, and it would be a shock when you first get in the water. So I was interested to know the least painful way to get in the water. 
because there's no way I'm giving up on going in the pool when we're at grandma and grandpa's house. But I don't want this to be a painful experience either. And so for quite a while, I was one of those people who I would go up to the steps in the shallow end and I would go down onto the first step, let my body acclimate, step down one more time, let my body acclimate, one step at a time, slowly into the water until I was in the shallow end. And then sometimes I would walk over towards the deep end and get onto that slope down towards the deep end, slowly walk until finally just my head was above the water and then I would finally dunk my head below the water, all right? I wanted to make it um, as gradual as possible so that I wouldn't have to deal with that, that shock of the cold. But I learned by experience that just like it's easier to just rip the Band-Aid off instead of taking it off slowly, it's much easier to just jump in the water all at one time. Take the shock all in one moment and then it's over with. Um, tonight I want to challenge you. You might feel this, this holding back from this idea, saying this isn't something I do, this isn't something that comes naturally to me, this is uncomfortable to me. I want to encourage you to rip off the Band-Aid. Just do a cannonball into the pool, okay? Um, the idea of storytelling might scare you. Um, it might be new or unfamiliar to you, or you might feel like you're not good at it. Maybe you feel like you're, you are an okay storyteller, even a good storyteller. But there are aspects of what we've talked about that might feel new and uncomfortable. Or maybe you say, I'm good at telling stories, but the telling stories in a way that points to biblical truth, that's something that I'm struggling with. I want to encourage you, um, work to put this into practice. It might not feel natural, it might not feel good at first, um, but get out there and start telling stories. Um, if you've already begun, then bravo, keep at it. But I can tell you from my own personal experience that as I've been on this journey of trying to become a better storyteller, I'm finding more and more how rewarding it is. It's such a joy to be a part of helping people really think deeply about biblical truths. Um, presenting an, ideas, an idea in a way that really makes people think and makes them understand something about how the truth intersects with their daily lives. So I'm hoping that, like me, you might just get hooked on this storytelling thing. Um, but I want to encourage you to, uh, to step out and, and put this into practice. Work at it. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened. And we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.